ladies and gentlemen, welcome on back to the 40k segment of the Wide World of Wargaming. As always, I am your host with no voice whatsoever, Vincent Morgato. Joining me, my one of my normal co-hosts, Mr. Ben Neal. How's it going? And our guest representing uh, the experience of the 40k champions from the great great city of Denver. Unfortunately, he is a Broncos fan, but I'll let that ride, Mr. Matt Evans. Hello, everybody. We got two Broncos so, fans here. You're outnumbered. Yeah. Uh, that's a normal thing because everybody hates us. Um, <laughs> that's why you're leaving uh, Oakland. Because, yeah, even people in the Bay Area hate us. But that's because everybody in the Bay Area is a loser techie now. Did I say that out loud? Um, <laughs> I just We'll just leave that there and ignore my ever-increasing bitterness about all topics. Cause edit, edit, edit. <laughs> edit, edit. Yeah, exactly. Just cut all of that out. Um, so... The esteemed Richard Siegler gave up his towel and walked away uh, as the eventual LVO 2020 champion, and I believe the overall ITC champion, winning him yes. fame, prestige, and not a small amount of money. Congratulations. He in addition with his uh, Atlanta Open money. Wait, he won, Adla- he won Nova, Atlanta, and the LVO. That and uh, Wars on Atlanta as well. So the Atlanta Open and Wars on Atlanta, I think. So he probably made like a solid six gur off of 40k this year. Closer to ten. That's no, ten? Yeah. the Atlanta Open was ten by itself. It was a five, wasn't it? I thought ten was the total. Oh yeah, I remember ten being the purse, but I don't. I, I never found out if they were. It was five for him, and Nanabody got two and a half. Oh, it was Nanners? Nana, 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 out of Batman, the second place. Yep, they they went up against each other in the finals. Oh, very nice. Roommates. Uh, couldn't, have, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, Nanners. You know where I am. Um, so, Matt, you came out. You uh, you ended up going. What was your record at the end of it all? Uh, four and two. Four and two. And you brought Minotaurs and Raven Guard with successors. Uh, the Minotaurs were the Raven Guard successor, and then I brought White Scars. And uh, I did bring a little bit of Iron Hands just to have a character dread. Just to have the character dread. Talk just to us about the list. Just a smidgen of fun times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, it's uh, it was a very centurion based, which is pretty one of the standard lists in the 40k meta right now. Yep. Uh, so I I had the grab centurions for for the minotaurs. I um, just said PTSD again. <laughs> At least yeah, they're not a pod. <laughs> well, oh essentially, God, shut up, man. <laughs> they have the uh, master of ambush to redeploy at the beginning of the game. Uh, mm-hmm to have a very, very effective alpha strike. Uh, they deployed up in the center where I had a Phobos captain to give them reroll hits of one. And then the yeah. chaplain, who was my warlord, redeployed with them with the uh, recitation of focus to give them plus one to hit. So they're hitting on twos, rerolling ones, pop the strat, you're rerolling wounds, you're rerolling damage, you're space marines, you reroll everything. Um, it's it's a very powerful punch. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, that's very much if I go first, which I actually did not win a single roll-off in seven games to go first, but that's just dice for you. Um, aside from that, with the list, I had uh, I fill out the battalion with some TAC Marines with just a single LAS cannon. They, are, they were Master Artisans with Stealthy, so TAC Marines with a single LAS cannon get a reroll hit and wound with Master Artisans, so that makes the Tac Marine 85 point squad actually uh, fairly punchy with the reroll hit and wound Laz Cannon and fairly durable with the stealthy giving them a two up armor save. 
Uh, aside from that, I had a White Scar Battalion who had uh, Assault Centurions that normally outflanked with a Librarian. And between all of his psychic powers and I did mm -hmm. give him the Relic, they would end up having plus three to their charge and not be able to be overwatched. So that was uh, pretty effective. <laughs> uh, they also had Hurricane I Bolters. Uh, yeah. You know, Hurricane Bolters with Ignore no, Cover. And no, normally they're coming in turn two to be AP1, Ignore Cover, 72 shots. That can do some damage as well. Oh, sounds bad. <laughs> ineffective uh this, this yeah, is not down like an op uh, like an optimized list you just threw this together no. in like 10 minutes didn't you obviously <laughs> on the plane uh, over actually on the, yeah. on the on the flight over yes oh. so what and then, uh, oh sorry go ahead oh you're good i i just rounded it out with a iron hand spearhead for the three thunder fires because why not have more bs in the list because and then why, uh, you know. yeah and then a mortis dread and a lieutenant to again have that character dread with four las cannons, also master artisan. So my uh, mortis dread rerolls a hit and a wound, and my las cannon or my thunder fires were hitting on twos, rerolling a hit, which was most of the time all of them hit, and then rerolling ones to wound from the lieutenant and a two, which most of the time resulted in eight shots, eight hits, eight wounds. No, really, pretty, you think? pretty uh, effective. Thanks, thunder fire cannons. Seriously, yep. like, oh my god, this is this on it. Okay, I'm gonna ask both of you guys a question and then take a minute and then really tell me what you think. Do you think this level of statistical reliability is good or bad for 40k? Terrible, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. I hate it. <laughs> it's a dice game, and everything is at 100% efficiency, like and that's 100% chance to go off pretty much. Like, we're all here. Uh, Matt, I don't know you. This is the first time we've had you on. I don't know you personally, but if you're going to LVO and you're bringing a, you know, a, what we'll call a top tier list, you're a probably a competitive player. Like you do this repeatedly during the year. Yeah, I, I go to probably four GTs and two majors a year. Okay, so. and Ben, your bona fides are uh, uh, need not be repeated. I've been playing 40k since fourth edition. We all don't. There's a certain amount of what would you call it randomness that we don't like just because yeah. it robs us of that assurance whenever we go through a strategy. But at the same time, you need that to make a game like 40 K exciting. Yeah. Because so if it I doesn't it, go ahead. Oh, I, I don't like randomness for the sake of being random. Like right, a like lot of times that's like seize the initiative D three damage D six shots. But when your entire army is hitting on twos, rerolling ones, that's a lot different than the randomness that is just in the game. Yeah, like, like, like that random is damage. No, go ahead, ridiculous. Ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I find myself in this position where I can't, like, I'm a, so Matt, I'm a guard player. And okay. guard was one of the original armies that started going this way of being able to very reliably plan out, I'm going to do this much, I'm going to do this much with that unit, then I'm going to do this with that. And now it just seems like everybody else, especially Marines, just does that better than us. And yeah. like you see some of these combos coming out of the Marine Codex and you're like, well, what's the fucking point? I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just here to put models on the board until he rolls the 95% chance success that he's going to maybe if he rolls that if he has that one terrible turn i'll still be here at the end of it right 
Yep. And that, that is what actually lost me round one. <laughs> uh, it's just that I, one I did, disastrous turn? Yep. Basically, I, I was in a mirror match uh, against another Raven Guard player. And so I put my Centurions in Deep Strike. And he took board control. All I had to do was kill one scout squad, not even in cover, to uh, enable myself to deep strike turn three in the middle of the table. And three Thunderfires could not kill five scouts. So well, that's mean, about the uh, the one percent chance of the uh, the Thunderfires not being consistent every turn. Yep, <laughs> it happened when it really mattered. <laughs> yeah. Right, like ninety nine percent of the time, they're going to be six to ten shots, all hit, most wound, and then yeah. that one percent is when it's going to screw you over. Which, which is good. It should you should have a chance of failure. I don't know. I think it should be more than one, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like, and at the same time, you shouldn't. And I don't know if this is. I won't say that this isn't maybe an error in strategy because again, I don't know. Um, you shouldn't have to worry that, you know, you plan all this, we'll call it a Swiss watch where everything, ha everything works in a certain way because everything is so statistically reliable. And then, you know, you pull one gear out and the whole thing just goes and explodes in front of you, you know, like you should be able to come back from a single statistical error or a single game mistake even at high levels. And it sounds yeah. like you don't have that choice right now. Yeah, it it was basically. I mean, my opponent played very well. They were they were Raven guards, so they were able to spread out across the table, and they did screen out my Centurions very well. But mm -hmm. their one weak point that I tried to exploit, the the dice then came in. Yeah, yeah I mean, what no. really exacerbates that issue is that the game is so deadly right now that that one mistake or that one roll that doesn't quite happen means you're going to lose that entire unit. Like, your Assault Centurions yeah. fail their charge, they're all dead next turn, no matter what happens. They're guaranteed right, yeah. killed unless they're hiding in a magic box. And even then, half the time, they'll be dead. Yeah. And it does seem like ITC is starting to step away from magic boxes in general. Yep. Now, you know, of course, we've all... We've talked about magic boxes on the show half a dozen times. Magic boxes is actually what, what got Ben, his co-host, spot on the show, arguably. <laughs> um, you know, uh, even with them moving away from Law You Can't See Me, like literally the John Cena box, you know, is that going to be enough to fix that issue? Because it's no. it, it almost feels... It almost feels like it's... It's an overcorrection, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I have a feeling I like music box. sweeping changes to ITC coming out soon. They really need it. Like, it's been almost the exact same for at least two years now. Yeah. And it just does not work very well with Marine Meta. There needs to be some serious changes to the scoring, to potentially the terrain layouts, to terrain rules. Like almost rework a lot of these secondaries as well. I'd say. I mean, are we? I I, I hate to use these words because God knows if if anybody ever listened to this show, we'd piss a lot of people off. Are we talking about homebrew eighth ed? No, not not to that extent. Just the missions and like, yeah, the the terrain rule still has to be the same for the few house rules they do of first floor line of sight blocking. Just right. so. Because otherwise, everything just gets shot, on the, shot off the table on turn one. 
Yeah, I, I, I will admit. Oh, go ahead. I, I was really hoping that back with what was that the big FAQ two back in like September. I was really hoping that they would update terrain rules because as of right now, you've basically got ruins and then forests and craters are kind of the same thing and everything else is kind of nothing. Yeah, that's about <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, it's, and it's even people of- who are casual players, they all play first four line of sight blocking just because you can't play without it. Like Everything just dies, even in like a match play game down at the local store that of between two people who never go to tournaments, they're both going to agree that, yeah, all right, first four blocks line aside, because otherwise we'll be here for one turn and that's it. Right. Well, I mean, what else needs to be done, do you think, to – and there's no way to take the edge off of shooting. I, I We know that. That's This is a shooting game now. Um, I would love what else to see – I would love to see more emphasis on board <laughs> control and holding Mm -hmm. objectives because right now killing and holding are the same they're worth the same points Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's a lot easier to kill stuff than hold stuff so i'd love to see that trade-off of you go the harder route you go close combat you go board control and you get paid off for it step away from these gun lines of three whirlwinds and three thunderfires hiding in the corner they just kill three units and they hold one and then they'll win by a few points like actually make them leave give some incentive to have like a big melee unit in the middle of the table Does, yeah. and, and you know we 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 don't want this to sound like we're only picking on the marine codex but the fact of the matter is is they gave an army that is supposed to that what traditionally was a mid-range you know to was it like a 24 inch and in army tools to dominate the long range game and yeah. there's not really an like the two are the two or three armies that used to be able to you would beat marines by you know whittling them down at range and then grinding it out inside two feet which is guard and tau can't do that anymore um you could argue that maybe eldar used to be able to do it based on some of their older builds but they were always more of an asymmetric win and yeah you know, Eldar Flyers, they kill you from like 16 inches away. They just fly right up to you and then dance around you and shoot you to death with star cannons. So, yeah. and even <laughs> then it's not enough, clearly. Yeah, it's certainly, no, just... the, uh, no one can outshoot Marines or they wouldn't be at the top tables everywhere like we see them. Yeah, and I mean, we, we don't even have the, We I think we're still waiting on the full statistical breakdown from as comes out after every LVO where people look at the whole year and, you know, do real in-depth analysis. Yeah. And I'm sure that's going to be a very exciting episode. Um, but you know, where, what's your, after playing six rounds at LVO, and as you said, you play a lot of GTs and a couple majors, what's your sense of the world of the landscape right now? Are we, are we in need of another big overhaul? Are we, are they going to have to readdress Marine points I mean, in a heavy way? I would like to see... I mean, Marines are definitely dominant right now, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just quick example. You have, you have Siegler, who's been winning with Tau all year. Yep. He decides that Tau are no longer good enough, plays a very similar style of list, just 
makes it Marines, it plays exactly the same. You have your few big guys that shoot a lot, and then you have your big blobs of dudes that can that can pass off wounds. Uh, it's, so it plays very same to his towel list. It's just Marines, and they do it better. Uh, very similarly, like I, I'm actually primarily a Tyranid player. Mm-hmm. I've played Tyranid for uh, 10 years. And then when the White Scar book came out, I was like, wow, these guys play very similar to my Kraken Gene Stealer style list of like hit, run away, hit again, make sure you wrap things. But they have better armor, they hit harder, and they shoot better. Right. <laughs> so it, it just... Right now, yeah, Marines that you have each sub faction of Marines has their own playstyle, which I think is awesome and very well done. Uh, the problem is, is that it they kind of do everything that the Xenos does, and they do it just a little bit better. Don't tell me you're um, hating so, on flesh hooked gene stealers. <laughs> well, they should yeah, just Uh no, so I as far as what I would like to see, Marines are not unbeatable. They um like like obviously they can be beaten. It is an uphill yeah, battle at the moment. That again. Yeah. Um I would definitely say that Psychic Awakening has given all of these other armies a, a nice buff. Um even NIDs, like I don't a lot of NID players have been complaining about not receiving a lot. I think they actually received a decent amount. Um, they're, they at least are very fun to play again, <laughs> uh, but they're, they're certainly not to the Marine level. I'm hoping that the Psychic Awakening is just kind of a temporary stopgap until uh, kind of 2.0 codexes come out like the Marine one for the rest of the factions. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, I think you can balance the game a lot more in that sense. And I, and I don't want all the armies to be bumped up to marine power levels where you just have 100% efficiency and you can that's kill anything you look at. That, that was just what I that, was That's boring. But I, I'm hoping that maybe with a revamp, maybe ninth edition that's being rumored for the summer or something, um, that you, you can basically beat marines asymmetrically, like you were saying, how Eldar does, and or through board control. Um, Honestly, my personal opinion as far as ITC and the whole board control being worth more, if they just made hold more worth two points, um, that actually changes the game pretty drastically right now. Well, here's a question about that. What if you turned killing into only ever a single point, but you changed holding objectives into progressive scoring? I I think that would have pretty much the same effect. Yeah, I mean... you're talking about the first turn it's worth one, the second one it's turn is worth two, the second, the third turn is worth three, and then maybe you max it at three just so you can't run away from it. Or at the same time, you yeah. do go up to six and you say, look, get the fuck over into your opponent's deployment zone. Or shoot them yep. with a Thunderfire cannon. The, <laughs> the only concern I would have with that is going back to the days of Eldar hiding out of line of sight for the entire game and then turn six jumping on all the objectives to claim the win. But well, they, I aside mean, from that, <laughs> I do think you, that's... Oh, no, so I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, I do think that that's a decent idea. I, <laughs> I would probably cap it at around the three-point range just sure. to avoid a last turn jump on all the objectives while not playing. I, I just I don't like non-interactive armies, <laughs> I guess. So anything that makes it where you can just say, I'm not going to play the game with you for the majority of the game is not really fun. Sorry, Matt. 
<laughs> but uh, you know, so that's... on in, an interesting point on that is that uh, so Sigmar, all the missions in Sigmar, uh, the only points you score are holding objectives. The only incentive for killing stuff is to get onto objectives. Now I don't think that's the extreme that 40k should go to, but it's certainly an option that they've been toying with in their other game system. I hope it doesn't go that way, because killing stuff is obviously important, and people like doing it. It's a fun way to play, <laughs> but there's certainly that potential there. Yeah, I mean, you know, while we're off beating the drum on what everything is wrong with 40k, let's, uh, let's just do what we do, and we'll take a look at a couple of the top lists. Um, the esteemed Richard Siegler not playing Tau, a betrayal, some will say. Uh, and you guys, t- you know, you all talked me through this. Double Venerable Dreadnought. So this is a uh, Iron Hands Battalion, Double Venerable Dreads, which, by the way, anyone who was in the Shit Talking Tactics group those uh, will know about the um, the judge, the conversion ban memes, and those were hysterical. Tri- uh, triple Bring out your dreads. Bring out your dreads, yep. <laughs> Um, our old friend, Iron Father Iron, and a Primaris Lieutenant with three more uh, intercessors, three more squads of intercessors. Then uh, a Spearhead Detachment with another Venerable Dread, and then, you know, three squads of Eliminators and a Leviathan Dreadnought. You're just, I mean, it, it's just plant and cover and shoot. All I gotta say is that Leviathan should be a Land Raider Excelsior. <laughs> that that was our list. <laughs> I mean, you know, like that's Hipster that's over not here. what dreadnoughts are supposed to do. What yeah. you don't think they should cower behind the bigger dreadnought and be invincible? No, that I mean. <laughs> well, I you don't, don't belong here, then. <laughs> I don't. Pretend, I don't. Well, you notice what I don't do anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I just, you know, we're looking. You, you look at that list, and it, what it, it it pretty obviously just goes: if one of your characters steps out from behind cover, he's a dead man. If he stays in cover, he's still probably dead. And if you try to cross the board, you get last cannon off the face of the earth. Um, there's nothing in that list to complain about, and he ran upwards of fifty uh, fifty marines. Yeah, he had forty intercessors on the table, all with stalker bolters that are hyper efficient in an iron hands army you know yeah. and the army is actually somewhat mobile thanks to iron hands having the you can move and shoot heavy with no penalty uh, and right. he also had indominus crusaders so that he can um <clears throat> get a second chapter tactic on 25 of his intercessors so actually in his last game he actually made the white scars for a turn so they could all advance and charge. If he actually did that with the inter- if he really did that with like his whole wall of intercessors, he is officially the hero 40k needs. <laughs> like I'm winning this game, let me take all of my intercessors out of cover, advance, you know, 9 to 10 inches and then just <clears throat> abuse you with regular marines. Uh, but I have a feeling that I have a feeling that didn't happen. Um, it did in the final game. <laughs> he really did. He really did yeah. bring the whole yeah. army out of cover and just beat somebody to death. 
Yeah, beat him up with thunder hammers. That's incredible. His interceptors have thunder hammers, by the way. Because why um, would you not? It's super funny. <laughs> I see one power fist. I see, it's, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, one guy's got a hammer. Two of the squads have power fists. Well, he's, no, he's got three power oh, fists. Three squads have power fists, yeah. Yeah, he's got three power fists and a thunder hammer. That's uh, the love affair on this show with Richard Siegler continues. Um, <laughs> second place going to Mr. Brad Chester, flinging, oh boy, who's shocked by this? Raven Guard. Um, double Thunder Double Smash Captain. One, two, three, four squads of scouts, two giant squads of Assault Centurions, one squad of Dev Centurions with the Grab Amps. I'm going to ask you about those in a minute, Matt. And then yep. uh, a whole bunch of, you know, infiltrators, which I must admit, I never thought I would see those on the board. They're actually really good against Space Marines, primarily. Oh, what a meta call. Um, They're good yeah. against other Raven Guard lists, really. Yeah. So we all remember the battle days. Well, I call them the battle days only because I love playing vehicles. When uh, a giant <laughs> squad of Centurion Grav Amps was basically a... Uh, call it a collection notice from your neighborhood friendly neighborhood space marine chapter that they were going to come and remove the tracks off of everything you own. Um, <laughs> yep. Call it the uh, call it the Oakland travel or the Oakland vehicle security technique. Uh, First they take your tracks, then they take your life. Basically, it's and what what do they do? They do the same thing now. Not the same no. mechanically, but I mean, are not they, as they, ridiculously? Right, because uh, you can't very shot good. Because you can't yeah, two it's shot one and they get to reroll wounds and damage. So they're without so, that one CP strat, they're not very good at all. But mm, with that strat, yeah. they're actually pretty efficient. And being able to deep strike them, you can get around the twenty-four inch range really easily. Yep. Funnily enough, though, um, so yes, they are very effective at killing. Um, I actually, I, my second game that I lost was against Necrons. Um, and it was, yeah. Necrons are great so, against Space Marines. Enough, as long it, as you it was, sixes on your D6 shots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's all, that's a, um, Alex, just remember you heard what Ben said. Just roll sixes. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Five are okay. So. Yeah. But coming back to the Grav Centurions, the, the reason was he, he killed... So my White Scar Assault Centurions charged one of his Doomsday Arcs, and he actually made eight out of his 11 Quantum Shield saves. Oh. So, and then reanimated four of... All, all four of his Destroyers that I'd killed that turn. So he wiped the White Scar Centurions, which were probably the biggest threat to his army. Um, and then I was left with just the Grav Centurions... But all of his uh, ghost arcs and doomsday arcs only have a four plus save, so my grab actually is only doing one damage to him, and that actually killed. That's what lost me the game was my grab was the only thing that was left, and it couldn't do any damage. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it would do like five damage to one of them, but that's much less than the thirty that I'm used to. Right, right. And next up, the man, the myth, the legend, Sean Naden, better known as I just bring whatever I want and win with it. Um, <laughs> bringing Harlequins and Eldar because fuck you, I'm Sean Naden. Uh, it's Double Spear Yanari. <laughs> oh dear God. He now won. we're all triggered. One, two, three. Is this 12 Skyweavers? E 10. He brought, 
he, or, yeah, 12. It's yeah, 12 squads. Sky Weavers, 12, uh, a, two squads of Shining Spears, a whole bunch of Jet Bike characters, and then the Incarn. Yeah, so I actually played... Lydon, isn't he? Yeah, I, I played against him at the Atlanta Open. Uh-huh. Um, the list is deceptively powerful. Uh, it mainly revolves around... Uh, I mean, obviously you have your Harlequin bikes for vehicles, but you have a surprising amount of mortal wounds that the list dis- dishes out from all of his characters. Yeah, um, he can do something like twenty-four mortal wounds. Yeah, he's turn. got like he wiped ten out psychic powers he can cast. Yeah. yeah, he wiped out my entire squad of of assault centurions with just smite equivalents in one turn. I mean, this is how hard Sean is flexing on everyone. He actually brought the solitaire. Solitaire's not great. To, not to, <laughs> right, not to say that the solitaire isn't good, Ben. I, that's not what I was saying. But you don't, you don't just bring the solitaire. You know? It's a flex. It's, it's, it's him just going, no, I'm better than you, and I know it. The real flex is that one death jester. Yes. <laughs> yes, agreed. That's an objective holder if I've ever seen one. <laughs> so the objective holder who's immune to thunderfire cannons. I I what? Yeah. Explain. He's a character. Well, he's a character. Oh, that's Can't right. Can't shoot him. Derp. Um, sneaky, sneaky death jesters. So Matt, you played against this. Break that game. It wasn't LVO, but you played against it. I want you to break this down because I have a feeling a lot of people are going to look at that and go, "What the fuck did he bring?" <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm sure the lists are slightly different because uh, at at the Atlanta Open, uh, he, this was before the Psychic Awakening for Eldar was out. Mm. So his list, I believe, dropped 90 points. <laughs> uh, so he got to just throw some more stuff in, um, and he might have made a couple more minor changes. I didn't actually check. Um, but in our game, it essentially was he hid his entire army behind an L, and then uh, he had three night spinners to match my. Uh, actually, at the time, I didn't have thunder fires. I had eliminators instead. But he had his uh, his night spinners. Actually, only had two in the back just to kind of shoot. And he he hid where I couldn't do anything turn one because I couldn't see his army. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried sniping some characters uh, with the eliminators. I uh, ignore line of sight. Yep. It, I think I put him down to one wound on one of his farseers. So not quite enough. And uh, then he just kind of hid and shot me with his night spinners uh, while screening with a giant guardian blob. And that, so that's what my centurions had to hit turn two when they came in. And then he came out with all of his characters and completely smited one centurion squad to death and threw all of his uh, shining spears at the second unit uh, with full buffs. Um, and that actually just kind of turned into a slugfest. We both kind of killed each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually what ended up, the game came down to essentially him running around with the Yinkarn, which he, he held off the Yinkarn until turn three when we both kind of bloodied each other up and had very little left. And then he just dropped the Yinkarn in the backfield where I only had my Blazcan and Tac Marines. Uh, to deal with him, and he just was making his four ups. Just making those uh, saves, baby. Yep. So I, I did bring the Yinkarn down to two wounds left. Uh, I believe he had a single haywire bike, the Yinkarn with two wounds left, and the Shadow Seer. 
left, but but then he tabled me on turn six. Uh, but I, it was basically these smite equivalents, and then um, holding the Yunkarn back until I didn't have the tools to deal with it anymore. That was very effective. And yeah, so it, it seems super spec for ITC. Yeah, and that, and also the uh, the terrain as well. Eldar jet bikes have always lived and died by being able to stay out of line of sight and then jump 40 inches into your face. Yeah. Yeah. And with the Atlanta open, you knew what the terrain was going to be. You know that you can hide your stuff. So I don't know if he actually brought shining spears to LVO. He did. He, did. he had but, two big units. Yeah. Two units well, that's seven. It looks like nice. Yeah, that that's. I mean, basically, he knew he could hide his whole, whole army from me, so he gave me first turn, and I wasn't able to really do anything with it. And then he screened out second turn when I brought in my reserves, and then he just pounced, and it worked very effectively. Is there something to be said for the? And we're going back to this, and I I, I hate the harp, but it's you know it comes up again. Is there something? <clears throat> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Is there something to be said for the loss of? Not random reserves, but chance to fail reserves. I think it's it's powerful. Um, I don't like dice rolls that single handedly can lose you the game if you fail one roll. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like Sigmar. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like Sigmar where if you win priority, you win. If you don't, you lose. Um, ben, you and I think the reserve rules are. Back then, I I remember doing reserves with. And you could lose a game because your reserves don't come on until turn four. Yeah, it's like half the time in seventh that it wasn't even worth bringing reserves unless you could get a two up or a plus one reroll or something. Yeah. So I, I think it actually makes the game really strategic. I like that they capped it, that you have to bring your army on turn three. That at least makes it where you can't just sit there and then grab endgame objectives mm -hmm. again, as I said. I, um, But... I, I think it does make it more tactical uh, and makes reserves more... People bring reserves because they're more reliable now. Uh, whereas before, as Ben said, it it was actually really risky to put too much in reserve. Well, one could argue that being able to put a large amount of your points off the board for an extended amount of time balances out that risk just because they literally cannot be shot. But I see where you guys are oh, saying. Oh, yeah, I well, I actually, uh, before the 50% rule, my, when I was playing Tyranids, my list, when it was just uh, you had to have equal number of drops and not points, um, I, my list was six individual biovores and a Neurothrope that all hit out of line of sight. And then basically I dropped in the other 1,600 points of my army uh, just because the Alpha Strike was so powerful. I, I essentially, I lost 1,200 points of my army yeah. turn one. And I was like, that's it. I'm just putting everything in reserve so I can at least play the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the I, I have long wished for a way to bring Lehman Russes out of reserve in 8th edition, and there just doesn't exist such a mechanic at the moment. Just play Talarn. Yeah, outflank Talarn. I, I like K – There you I, go. See, it's, it's the it, – we were just talking about it's, – it's the, it's the inability to have the choice because I can't – take to learn and have the mathematical reliability of Cadia, which is one of, and, and I think has always been the most underrated of the guard groups. Like everybody ran for Katashids just because mods are good. Well, as we say next wing, mods are good. Um, 
and being <laughs> able to re-roll the number of shots you get or maximize the number of shots you get is definitely a good mod. But always, you know, in a world of, let's just be real, gun lines, being able to just stand there, always re-roll ones, and add plus one to, you know, anything that you, that after you hit something for the first time, being able to add one to the hit roll, it's too good to pass up. But I, Lehman Russes just can't take a hit anymore. I, 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 yeah, I mean, there's yeah. your trade-off. Not, Either you get the reliability on your shooting, or you can take them off the table. Like They shouldn't give you both, because you're not a Space Marine Army, so I'm not, Exactly, because I, I made the fucking wrong decision and I'll play a Marine <laughs> Army. Um, but I was just, like, I, I, I think about this all the time. Do you guys remember when a last cannon against a Lehman Russ was a bad idea? For, yeah. like, ever? That was the one thing that you didn't shoot at a Lehman Russ because it was literally a one in six chance to do anything. Now it's like you put a Russ on the table and a guy with a Leviathan or a Vendred just goes, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, why, yeah. why would you? What? No, that'll one shot it every time. Now. Time. It's like, can, there's nothing like three that, tax squad last cannons to kill a. Yeah. I, I, a and yes, they're cheap, but they're not that cheap. But yeah. that's a personal rant. Um, moving on, uh, talk about Mr. John Lennon uh, from Team Brohammer. I, I, I'm. We already I'm talked a... about this list. Did we? It's no, Richard Siegler's list. Oh, it, it's it... all the same. Yeah. Okay. They brought the same list. They brought the same list. Moving on. What in the <laughs> world are Red Scorpions? Oh, they're Iron Hand's successors. All right. Moving on. I was really. I saw Red Scorpions, and I thought the old. Um... Got excited, right? Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I, I really thought it was the old Forge World stuff, which would have been kind of dope. Just uh, we we will. No, I think he just decided to call them Red Scorpions. Oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't want the hate of being Iron Hands, but so he's secret Iron Hands. <laughs> he didn't want the hate of being of uh, being Iron Hands. Too late, bro. We found out who you really are. Justin Lois. <laughs> see through the lies of the Jedi. We, we see <laughs> Jesus. We 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 never go full meme lord, Ben. <laughs> All right, I think we'll skip down to number eight, Mr. Jeff Poole, who pulled off eight with orcs. I think we have to acknowledge this. Orcs. I, we have to acknowledge the greatness of somebody who brought four by twenty, no four by thirty slugger boys, thirty Gretchen, boys. fifty Gretchen, and a giant block of tank busters plus five big mechs with shock attack guns. Three. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, like one shock attack gun is funny. Two is good. Five is ridiculous. He's got three. Mm, it Can't bring five. Oh, I'm sorry. That's uh, just a big mech and mega armor and then three shock attack. For the, uh, My the bad. force field. Yeah, he's got force field big mech because they took the normal one out of the game with legends. Still, I you know. I love everything about this. This is this is how orcs should be played, especially. When, yeah, I mean, it, oh, it's a pretty uh, standard orc list right now. You have the tank busters hide with grot shields until it's time, and they double shoot every turn because they're bad moons. Yep. And then the uh, the three shock attack guns. One of them's the relic. He's also double shooting every turn. So it's four shock. Jesus Christ. Well, and and the big one is basically double damage of the other yeah. two. So, <laughs> um, 
I, I actually love it because because Marines are so prevalent right now, everyone is really amping up their anti-tank, anti-elite infantry weapons. Yeah. So bringing a horde of a uh, you know two hundred models, people are all like, "Oh wait, I I kind of took all my anti-infantry guns away." As, aside from Centurions with the Hurricane Bolters, but yeah, the horde meta has mostly died with Space Marines. So when people run up against the the remnants of it, a lot of the times it's harder to deal with. Well, you say that like every single Assault Centurion thing we see doesn't have twin flamers on it or hurricane bolters or hurricane bolter i'm guessing he did not have to play very many centurions this weekend let's go find out or if he did if he got first turn those and those centurions are on the table those shock attack guns pick them right up just just delete yeah i mean with four or with three of them double shooting the big one i mean that that one shock attack gun yes it's random but it absolutely has the capability to just double shoot by itself and pick up a whole unit. I mean, at least there's something out there that kills Centurions efficiently. Yeah. Like, because <laughs> like, I, I don't know what else does. So, yeah, in, in the whole event, he played against six Assault Centurions, but they did not have Hurricane Bolters. Well, there it is. So, very, very lucky matchups, for sure. But also, a good list and a good player. And that's, you know, that's always been a part of, of tournaments is if you're, if you bring a weird list and you get the right matchups, you can end up putting in a pretty good result. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you're, you're playing six games. If you're going to any, you know, real major, you're going to play six games. The, the odds, it's really, uh, in, in my opinion, skill gets you four and two skill in a good list gets you five and one. And then luck makes you six and oh. Because after six rounds, one of them, the dice are bound to go not in your favor yeah. at all. And you you have to be a good enough player to and be lucky enough with the matchup that hopefully for that one round that the dice just are not going your way, that you can still manage to pull a win out you can get it. away with it on just pure skill. Not pure skill, but enough skill. Yeah, you Just play Space Marines where everything hits on a two-up re-rolling. I wasn't going to say. The it. dice have to be real mad to screw you over with that army. It happens. <laughs> I'll just put it this way, Ben. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll shorthand the mechanics of this. I was pl- the the list I brought in X Wing had. Let's see, what's five eights? No, no, no. What is what is six eights with a reroll? What's three quarters with a reroll? Of of equal odds. I, I, what's 75% plus a 75% of 25? What is that? Like 93, 93, 94. Uh, even, even with that, I can assure you, if you, if you try to, if the dice don't like you, you will roll that extra, that, that remaining 6% over and over and over and over and over. And that never happened to me this weekend, and I still went four and two. Yeah, <clears throat> all I can say is get good. Yeah, I, clearly. Um, <laughs> Words of wisdom. Or, it's the it's the <laughs> again, you know, you never go full meme lord um, because that <laughs> the the oldest of the Dark Souls memes get good. 
But all right. So <laughs> with everything we've looked at, and we're coming out of LVO, and I guess we'll kind of do an ITC wrap-up. We'll start it today, and then we'll finish it up next week. Where, uh, what, do we, what needs to be done besides just overall rule changes to bring in some of the, and there are a lot of them, low-tier codexes, cult, uh, nids. I, I understand that guard is kind of mid, depending on who you ask, but Drukari did not make an appearance in the top 10, despite being, as we've said on this show, one of the best solo codexes in the game. Eldar made an appearance in the top ten, but we all know why. Where I mean, what's what's the move? What's the forward movement from here? So I mean, the rest of the factions are going to get their psychic awakening books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see a lot more mono faction bonuses come out in those books, which is what we've been seeing a lot of, which is great for the game. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot easier for GW to nerf some Space Marine stuff instead of trying to bring everything else up to Space Marine's level. Right, because you don't balance Which, a game by making everybody imbalanced. Yeah, and they, they've said they're going to do Forge World updates coming soon, So, which will be great because the Forge World rules have not, like the rules themselves have not been touched since the edition came out, and they were seemingly written overnight by the drunken Forge World rules team, who doesn't even write rules for 40k anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> a lot of those rules were uh, questionable at best. Yeah. So I, I, I have a feeling we'll see a Legends-type treatment I, for I, a lot of Forge World units, like the Chaplain Dreadnought, mm-hmm. considering they haven't made the model for years. Yeah, that's they haven't made a metal conversion kit for anything in how long? No, I mean like literally. They don't seem to like conversions anymore with taking away all the the bike characters and stuff. Yeah, and the autarchs and all the weapons they can take. They, they, you will take your multi-part plastic kit and you will build it exactly the way we tell you to, and you will shut the hell up. You will build your easy build aggressors, and you're gonna like it. <laughs> oh man. Snap fit for the win. <laughs> Never need to win I, again. Two of the pack marines that I brought to LVO were probably snap fit marines. <laughs> I sold all of my snap fit guardsmen, and I have not regretted it since. Get them. Get the. <laughs> get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> but as so, well, just because we've got you on, Matt, you're a Tyranids player. Yes, and you've said that you're a Kraken and uh, Gene Stealer assault player. That's what every I, I player is. Prefer well, the close I... combat aspect of the game. Yes, <laughs> yes, Ben. For the moment, that's that's everybody who plays and tries to play this competitively. <laughs> but let's, you know, let they don't have a choice. It's not their fault. Exactly. You know, it's like saying, <laughs> "What uh, what Marine Army do you play?" Bitch, I play White Scars. Fuck you, mean. Um... <laughs> no Black Templars. Oh my god! The fact just I don't even. I could. I've been wrong on things before. Holy shit, was I wrong? Holy shit, was I wrong? Um, that's like I actually can't believe how wrong I was about the Marine Chapter tactics. I, I'm like I didn't even change the Dark Angels one, and that was the worst one of all of them. Yeah, they're stuck with it. 
But Matt, how do you make Tyrannus competitive? Uh, well, there's there have been a couple lists floating around. Um, I've been pretty actively looking at them. There actually was, I think, three NID lists that went five and one Ooh. at LBO, Standby. which is uh, pretty entertaining. Um, I believe one of them was your typical Carnifex spam, which has been popular for a while. Um, it's actually pretty effective in the meta, just mass T7 right now. Um, counters a lot of stuff. And then obviously with the Carnifexes, they're all minus one to hit, which helps a little bit. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of... Uh, you, you either have that, where you've got your mass Carnifexes, and a lot of Venom Cannons are running around now, which... Um, Blood of Ball gave Nids the new Venom Cannon Relic that instead of D3 shots, which has always been the bane of that weapon, uh, it's flat three. And as well as Chapter Proved dropped the points, I think they dropped from like 25 to 16. So pretty decent points drop for the gun. So I'm actually seeing walking Hive Tyrants with the Relic Venom Cannon is actually starting to become a thing. Um, just because the walking Hive Tyrants are... I believe 30 points cheaper than <laughs> I actually haven't played a walking hive tyrant yet. So I don't know the exact points value, but it's something like 30 points cheaper than the flying one. Um, and, but they're just as durable. Uh, but getting away from that, uh, a lot of the more inventive lists um, we have Colin Sherman came out with uh, nine Ridge runners with gene stealer Colt because chapter approved made those worth only 59 points for a vehicle that fires D3 LAS cannons, and we all are seeing from Marines how effective that can be if you get all mm -hmm. the buffs off. So you, you make that a, a Hive Cult detachment. Uh, the Warlord lets you reroll ones to hit, and then they have a strat for if you do a wound to something, you get plus one to hit for the rest of your army. Overlapping um, fields so of fire for the guard. Yeah, you, you have uh, nine Ridge Runners that all have D3 LAS cannon shots that potentially are hitting on twos rerolling ones. So seems good. Uh, the only issue is that they're very fragile vehicles. They're only T5. Yep. <laughs> uh, they do have eight wounds, so that's great for big game hunter. But <laughs> nid nids will always give up secondaries. You, you can't really hide it. You're either giving up Reaper or big game hunter or gangbuster. I'm, I uh, take your pick. I sympathize. I sympathize. Yeah. There's not a Pick two out of three, yeah. and that's your nid list. Um, warriors are actually becoming a thing again for Blood of Ball strat that reduces damage by one um, combined with adaptive physiology to ignore AP 1 and 2 um, actually combos really well to basically you need to have a 4 damage thunder hammer which is around but hopefully you don't run into that but uh, I think you're fine most, if that's hitting your warriors thing, most of the time yeah I mean if, if that's hitting your warriors then you're you're kind of that's that's okay. <laughs> this is acceptable. Um, so I'm actually going to a GT here in Denver uh, in two weeks, and I am bringing nids. Um, I am bringing. I, I think in pretty much every nid list I'm going to have for the foreseeable future will basically involve uh, a Chronos shooting line, which is very necessary against Primaris Marines. It involves three Exocrines, six Hive Guard, and a Malanthrope to make them difficult uh, to hit. The and then actually, uh, yeah, well, goes up by and 50 points, enough, goes yeah. down by 50 points, goes up by 50 <laughs> points. 
Oh yeah, he's all roller coaster of emotions. Uh, but funnily enough, I'm actually bringing a Maliceptor, which I'd imagine half the 40k base doesn't I, even know exists. You definitely found one of that half. Um, tell me what the hell Tyranid that is. Called it the, uh... Yeah, so it's it, the the Toxicrine, the dual kit that it comes with, is also very rarely seen. But uh, um, the Maliceptor is essentially uh-huh. a super psyker bug. Uh, it's basically the zoanthrope just turned into a monstrous creature but you so it's a big brain bug it does have the four up psychic invuln that the hive tyrant has which makes it actually reasonably durable uh it's got the same defensive profile uh the only reason you never see it is because it was 200 points and its only offensive output was psychic powers which it had a special ability to not cast psychic powers and instead do one mortal wound to every unit yeah, that, within six. That's, that's terrible. Real bad. Which, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. So um, instead, you just cast your two powers with the innate plus one to cast that it has. You give it, um, you know, you're, in Kronos, you give it Symbiostorm, the new Blood of All psychic power that's actually really good. It's Tesla. Basically, you, you, your sixes to hit mm-hmm. in shooting are two hits. Um, and then the other blood of ball update to the Maliceptor is a new strat that at the beginning of your opponent's shooting phase, you spend two CP and all weapons or all ranged weapons that fire at models within six of the Maliceptor reduce their strength by one. It would be a lot more effective if it was minus one to wound because oh, yeah, that's a lot. Minus one to wound is a lot better but than minus one strength. Yeah, it'd be pretty Obviously, crazy at minus uh, one to wound. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind actually doing a 3 CP strat for minus 1 to wound. That would sure be really powerful. Um, but the Maliceptor actually has a big enough base that that 6 inches covers the majority of your army. Um, you, you can chain to that pretty well. Tyranid players are really well, good have, at daisy chaining. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. It's one of those skills you have yep. to learn. So, yep. Um, so basically... That entire gun line is minus one to hit, and guns shooting at them are minus one strength. And the the fire base, it's all T8. So your LAS cannons are now wounding on fours. Anything that's strength seven um, is wounding on fives or or six. And yeah, it's uh, fairly effective. It also makes your gaunts really good because bolters are suddenly wounding your gaunt screen on fours instead of threes. Makes grav cannons wound on sixes too. Yes, which is very and, good. And uh, disintegrators as well. Yeah. So all, all that strength five weaponry is suddenly yep. just not doing anything. Um, so I essentially, I have that, I think, is going to be the core in almost any list. And that actually switches out almost one for one with the Ridge uh-huh. Runner list that I was talking about as far as firepower and points cost. Um, so either one of those, I just don't own nine Ridge Runners, and I'm probably not going to drop $600 on getting them. <laughs> What? You're not a real 40k <laughs> player. Uh, we'll start right. the community Ridge Runner fund. Go fund yeah. me. <laughs> um, but then basically it's that and a second detachment that I'm I'm actually going Behemoth um, because Behemoth also got a really good psychic power of plus one to wound in combat. So I'm trying to deep strike in uh, close combat threats. I'm actually still waffling on what that is. Uh, but currently it is nine 
dual bone sword warriors, which look mm -hmm. phenomenal with the model, by the way, because they're basically mini form lords. Uh, but nine of those deep striking in with a trigon, and then they have re-rollable eight-inch charges. Uh, with the second adaptive physiology in the list is give it give them uh, adrenal webs, so they consolidate two d six instead of three, which Wait, can be pretty you powerful for you have a yeah you you have you consolidate a, up to twelve inches run <laughs> yeah so you you. You drop in, you have an 8-inch re-rollable charge, which is only a 63% success rate, but hopefully you get that. And then uh, you make the charge, and actually there's another strat. As soon as you have a uh, synapse creature within an inch, you can charge 3d6, pick the two highest with anything else that's charging the same unit. So you have your warriors charge in, they end up within an inch of whatever you want your Trigon to charge. Now your Trigon has an eight-inch re-rollable, rolling three dice, picking the two highest. Uh, he's probably making it in. Uh, and then hopefully you kill whatever that is, and then you consolidate your 2d6 to wrap or, something else. Or at else least just to touch everything yourself. to make it fuck up a shooting or, or, yeah, touch an entire gun line and say, you don't get to shoot me this and time. And I, I assume that... So instead of Swarm Lord, you just reverse Voltron him into nine warriors. Pretty much. I was going to ask if, only if the Swarm Lord was in that list, just so that when you do Deep Strike, you then just go, oh, also, by the way, Swarm Lord run. But apparently, you can't afford both. Uh, no, and also, Swarm Lord cannot, same as the like the Chaos um, double move strat or psychic power, you cannot oh, Deep Strike in, and then uh, you can't move them after they Deep Strike. Of course not. But I that would be in the list. He could move himself that that up, move himself up a second time, and probably hit at the same time. But he is or, 150 points, and the warriors are 250 points, alive. and the trigon is 150 points, and your gun line is 1,250 points. So that leaves you with those three units, which I guess you could fit in a patrol. But tyranids are very, very CP heavy. Uh, especially yep. the list I was just I was just listing all these new stratagems that I want to use. Yep. Uh, so you definitely need the dual battalion. So instead of Swarm Lord, I basically have, you know, Rippers and Gaunts to screen out and give me command points. Talk about a downgrade. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. Evans, thank you very much for taking the time to join us and uh, recounting your experiences at the LVO. Thank you for uh, having we, me. We will endeavor to bring you back just as soon as we possibly can. Ben, let's go ahead and uh, close this show out. Let's do it. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We do apologize for the uh, inconsistency as of late. We do all have uh, very, very you know interesting schedules. So we hope to be back on the horse just as soon as we possibly can. We will talk to you next week.